everybody. Hi, everyone. Hi, Dan. Hi. Uh, so Dan and I were just having a social phone call and then decided to record because now our relationship has become obviously best friends. Um, sure, yes. Oh, we've established that, but also like somehow mediated. But also up for public consumption. <laughs> mediated. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. all of um, comedy and, and performance has lost its outlet now. So I feel like everybody's doing this. So glad we were uh, three weeks ahead of the curve. Yeah, everybody's just talking into their phones, recording their friendships with each other and putting them on Instagram stories. Yeah. Um, but Dan, you called to chat because you're feeling some feelings. I'm feeling some feelings, yeah. Um, yesterday in the afternoon, I was like so happy to mm-hmm. like have all this free time. Like, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, and this is something we mentioned in other episodes. This is like, you know, a privileged privileged position in order to feel like this is a carefree time as opposed to a uh, very perilous time. But um, I think the sort of general peril of this time cre- crept into my psyche over the course of the day. And but like when I was trying to go to sleep, I'm by myself listening to a guided meditation so that my own thoughts are replaced by something peaceful. So, um, but I want to, okay, first, so what are your thoughts that are happening that are keeping you away? Well, my, th- my thoughts are very hard to describe. They're mm-hmm. just, uh, like, I, like, I think I was saying to you, I just felt like this tightness in my chest, like, um, right. You know, I, I, I think I feel a bit, uh, struck by the uncertainty of it of it all and um right i don't know what to do with it right uh yeah and you were saying uh the the moment that i was like let's record this was you said like you're 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 comforted during your downtime in normal times you're comforted by the thought that the world is going on and that nothing is changing um yes I'm paraphrasing. that only that yeah that only i am the one who has free time and everyone else is like uh, continuing to spin the world around me. And that is a, that is a comforting feeling to me. Right. And I was saying that I've actually gotten, I mean, I, I really in many ways am in my element right now. Um, You know, you love phone calls. I love phone calls. (laughs) I like, I like home time. My life hasn't changed a ton. Um, In that conversation, I also kind of want to go back to this, the conversation about acknowledging privilege. Absolutely. But I also want to make it clear that like, we live in a country that's extremely privileged. I've been listening to the CBC radio call-in shows today when people are talking about sort of what they're losing. I mean, I, as of yesterday, don't have a job anymore because of this. Um, and I was making $320 a week. And that was my entire income. Um, and I don't have it anymore. So I, I kind of want to put forward, and, and also like then I, I would maybe book a commercial or something and get a chunk of money like that's not quite enough to live off of but i also want to make it clear like how how canadians can live a lot more modestly and have to <laughs> and when i say i'm in my element it's not like i just do nothing all day but it's this sort of like stripping down mending clothes spending less money not going on vacation all the time like all of the things that are adjustments for other people are the choices i've already made don't eat i don't eat meat People are fucking freaking out about whether or not they can buy meat. All these things that I'm noticing people freak out about. I'm like, these are things that maybe we can't have. And then there's serious stuff that people are freaking out about. But people are hoarding like milk. What are you going to do with milk? There's no milk in the grocery store. Yeah. Like that annoys me. Those were some thoughts that spun all around. But I just mean like Canada, I I definitely acknowledge there are people who are in a very, very scary situation right now. But many people aren't. and, And these are adjustments that have to happen going forward i see and so when you were when you said that you're excited about things not going back to normal this is what you meant yeah i'm excited for the confrontation um the hope that the transformation that this could create because uh so i was writing for because news um i think today uh the the interview is going to be with gavin crawford and I'll cut this out if it isn't my boss at Because News. Um, but I, so I was compiling news stories. It's a, it's, for people who don't know, it's a Canadian radio show that's a satirical news-based quiz show. And so I was bookmarking stories that I was finding um, about Corona that could lead to more comedic riffing and discussion. And I mean, the positive environmental impacts of this have been astounding. 
Interesting, yeah. The air quality in China and Italy has just gotten way better, and the Venice Canal is running clear. Really? Yes. And that's why I find this exciting. I mean, weirdly, this kind of... This kind of, uh, I think it is chaos and not uncertainty. It's both chaos and uncertainty makes me really happy because we have to live in a less stable, we have to live with a less sense of stability. But also uh, just look at what we've done. Look at what we've accomplished because we thought we were going to get sick. Now let's not forget this, please. And let's not keep buying sea dews for no reason. But what I'm seeing is what humans can do as a group. And I'm amazed by it. And I want us to feel that power. It's weird that it took this for it to happen. Anyway, that's, that's why I'm happy. I did see I did see a tweet that said, uh, climate change needs coronaviruses PR person. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I, I want to be part of that PR, <laughs> that PR push. Hmm. Anyway, I don't know if that makes you feel better, but it, it's also like when, when we're dealing with, and I, I think you and I talked about this personally, like not recording, but um, I really want to interview an economist and an economist yeah. who maybe shares some of my values. So if anybody out there knows anybody like that, this is so far, I've had a friend pop to mind. I've had, I have a bunch of friends with amazing specialties and amazing life stories. Uh, I don't know any sort of environmentally friendly economists. I don't think I know any economists at all. Um, but I'd like to understand how after a collapse like this, it feels like we have the opportunity to rebuild in a healthier way. And what things do we actually not need? What do we need to put aside as far as what we've been consuming? And, and one of those things you would say is travel. Um, I love travel, but to a certain extent, we have to think about, I mean, we have... Uh, we have to think about doing it in a more environmentally friendly manner at the very least. One of the things that I would say, which I brought up before, is like clothing manufacture, fast fashion. Do we need every piece of food delivered to us by somebody on a bicycle? Like this would be a gigantic restructuring. But this, but the disruptions of the gig economy are only, what, 10 years old anyway. Mm -hmm. So we can go back to less wasteful industries. I'd also like to see industries of repair instead of replacement. I think, mm -hmm. I think we can do that with cell phones. I mean, that's not coming up because of um, corona. But these are the sorts of things where it's like the economy doesn't need to stop to be more responsible. Now, I'm not an economist, and I really don't understand how the economy works. Um, but I'd like to be – I, I think moments like this do feel like opportunities to rebuild in any direction we want instead of just going back out of habit to these terrible things we were doing. I don't know that we'll do it, but it gives me hope that we can. <laughs> Yeah. Well, did that make you feel any better? A little, yeah. Did it? Yeah. What have you been up to? What have I been up to? Listening Gosh. listening to the news. Yeah. A lot of that. It doesn't sound like it's been good for you. <laughs> no. I uh I think I told you last night I'm trying to take a social media diet, specifically Twitter. Yeah. Um I think that that is um, I think that Twitter's functioning kind of like an artificial intelligence in terms of like spreading both information but also anxiety. Right. Uh, and so I am, I've caught myself a dozen times uh, still reading it but having to just try to pull myself away from it because I don't think it's uh, doing much good. Yeah. Well, I can send you some links to the more hopeful stories I found. <laughs> And you can put it in our newsletter. Oh my gosh! Yeah, is on stands now. I I published a newsletter after threatening to. I finally figured it out. See, this is the other thing. And my buddy Lee Cameron also kind of called me out. She's like, Becky, you're reveling in this, <laughs> and I am. <laughs> like, but this is also the way I grew up in an extremely um, unstable environment. So I'm just like, I know this. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Um. One of the one of the things also for me is that like FOMO's gone away. Interesting, you because the FOMO you had. Well, yeah, and and things like my big fear of missing out would be like, oh, should I should I be like writing all day and also doing live shows every night? Well, they're gone. I was all uh -huh. I already had to make that choice to do less live shows, but now they're gone, and there's no one having a party that I should be at. And right. So 
I had all these goals when I came back home from my trip that I had to, um, I have a bunch of um, very, very boring paperwork stuff to deal with, uh, some family issue stuff, and uh, just a lot of hunkering down, writing my own projects, and I've been doing it. That's great. And I couldn't otherwise. And I've been learning, um, I'm learning the audio editing for this podcast. Stacy, who was doing it, um, Stacy McGonigal has her own project, which I I don't know if she'll still be doing this at the time this airs, but she's doing a live stream with Jason DeRoss every single day at 1230 Eastern time. <laughs> That's great. So you can check that out. But, you know, she's got her own projects and I really want to be empowered and, and learn this. My buddy Lee Cohen, yesterday we had like an hour long phone chat. He was the musical director at Second City when I was there and he sort of was talking me through some sound theory. Um, I think at the end of this episode, we, we're going to have a very special surprise from Lee Cohen, but we'll Ooh, see. I know. Sound theory. Um, wow. So he's contributed to something that we'll, we'll share with you at the end of the episode. Um, but yeah, I'm learning how to, I learned how to make um, Instagram stories. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is just a, a rebirth. I, I don't know that that's the most useful of the skills, but yeah, I've gotten really excited. It feels like going back to school in a way that I really enjoy. <laughs> um, you had a tweet about last week that was sort of uh, jokingly asking, do we even pay our taxes now? Yeah, we don't. And do the we? answer is no. We don't. <laughs> I know. Well, <laughs> and thank goodness, because I got a lot to untangle um, and also now no income. Like, uh, yeah, that's right. As as much as cheery as I'm being, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm scared. Yeah. I'm scared financially. I've just always been scared financially. Right. Um, like, I had a couple good years, and the rest have been pretty scary. So I think that financial fear, I, I just don't feel like I deserve any better than that, <laughs> I guess. And we don't have to pay our taxes. Yeah. So it's not like things are great, but I'm into it. Right. You're fully, yeah, you're fully in isolation now. Uh, Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we don't go out of the, well, I went out to the grocery store and the liquor store yesterday, but we're pretty careful. We don't really touch anything outside okay. of here so much. And then we wash our hands when we get in and don't touch anything. So, yeah. I don't know. Hmm. My mother-in-law is finally not going into work anymore, so I'm happy about that. And it's scary, but also, like, I mean, I'm I'm watching on, on Facebook, I'm watching friends of mine, like, create pages for clearly businesses or, like, like, voice coaching or whatever that they've never listed before. It kind of feels like as difficult as this will be, we might come out of it having done some of our to-do list. Yeah. It's very clear to me how many of my friends work a lot more than I do, though, because they have so much energy to spare that <laughs> online. <laughs> yeah, I, I do not. I, I, I'm not finding the spare energy um, uh, bearing much fruit. Right. I'm still finding, like, I'm writing a bit, but I'm still finding it's as much of a chore, if not more, than it was while things were fine oh more because the anxiety is eating at it a bit yeah exactly yeah but see the things that i'm describing myself or i think they're qualities you already had you're you are quite diligent and hardworking, and feel like you're less distractible than i am um yeah i would say that i'm i'm diligent and hardworking on assignment uh i used to be a lot more a lot more uh, bigger self-starter but um less so these days well dan you still sound stressed out uh, I mean, I yeah. I know I can't take it all away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is good. We're the uh, we're the two sides of the coin. Oh, um, I'm. Which one am I? I'm. Felix Unger. Who are the odd couple? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. It's uh, uh, Otto. Is one of them Otto? Oscar? Uh. Oscar. Uh, Oscar. Oscar Peterson. Felix. Oscar Peterson. <laughs> Felix yeah. Unger is the other one, and I don't know. And Felix the cat. And Felix the cat, right. So I'm yeah. Felix the cat. Oh, man. Yeah. My cat. She... I think it's Oscar and Isaac. No, it's Felix, man. Okay, all right. Anyway. Oscar Isaac. Your cat? Oscar what about Isaac. your cat? Um, my cat is like 
was kind of distressed that we were home a lot. But the only thing I've been stressed out about is having kitty litter. Mm, having enough of it. Yeah, because if I run out of toilet paper, I can wash my bum in the shower. I'm not going to be able to do that with my cat. She's just going to piss on our bed. <laughs> so right. I'm stocking up before this goes out because everyone's going to get wise after they all listen to this episode. But Uh-huh, yeah. Well, I don't know. This didn't. This made it cheered you up a bit. I'm very grateful f- uh, for your friendship, as always. Well, I'm grateful for yours, too. You want to listen to this interview with Gavin? Yeah, please. Okay, cool. Here it is. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Uh, hi, everyone. It's um, It's been a weird week, uh, but I'm super excited to have my former and hopefully future boss, Gavin Crawford, here with me. You could say friend. Friend, Gavin. Thank you. Um, hey, Gavin, how's it going? Uh, it is going weirdly. It's yeah. going fine, you know, but it's weird times. Yeah, how are you it's feeling? Definitely weird times. I feel fine. Um, and some anxiety, I guess, but it's probably my normal level of anxiety. Yeah. I'm not, I don't get that stressed about I kind of have a, like a prepare for the worst brain. See, I was talking to Dan about this. I feel the same way. I'm like, isn't life always terrifying? Yeah, like I don't like, I don't know. It's very weird. Like when you are like, I can't, it's like you can't even say it because it's like too. What? Well, like it's like right now there's a, like a lot of things like people are losing their jobs. It's really like yeah. terrible. People don't know what they're going to do, but. I work in an industry where that happens to me constantly all the time just because of shifting moods and governments. Like we had a pilot that, that would have like altered my life significantly that I really wanted to do and it was ready to go and CBC was all ready to order it and make it. And then the Harper government slashed their budget in half and CBC stopped making comedy shows for two years Yeah, and just didn't renew anything. And it just killed that project completely. Yeah, And, you know, and I have a whole family that's just like stupid cbc like defund them and i'm like you know that i work there and they all voted for that guy who you know and that's what they did so uh it's weird because i've had that happen before where i've had to deal with like okay i know how i'm gonna pay for everything for the next little while this is gonna be a go this is great like this is a a kind of a life changer yeah and then it just evaporates the next day yeah all of a sudden just yoink yeah Yeah. so i've had a bunch of yoinks in my life so these (laughs) yoinks uh i guess i'm just a, a bit more used to yeah i mean i feel the same way and not to minimize the seriousness of this what's happening in italy is terrifying but but also dealing with sort of the the changes that are happening right now and the and the insecurity that's coming up doesn't doesn't scare me more than my general life i didn't know where i was going to be making money anyway i think it's partly it depends i think on kind of your personality a little bit and also we were kind of talking about this, like how on the show once on Because News, we were sort of doing a research into like a lot of psychologists being like, how do you deal with right now? And they were saying, like, oh, yeah. you know, that thing of how of do you deal with like the uncertainty? To, yeah. Try to make yourself live in the unknown. Like, yeah. And some people just are not like if you're a person who's very nervous of change, this is an incredibly stressful time. Yes. And I forget because I'm so surrounded by people who have to be able to live in chaos that I forget how scary this can be. Yeah. When I talk to like my family who have had like, you know, sort of regular steady jobs, kind of like a a similar like they know what's they kind of know what's coming other than, you know, surprise emergencies and things like that. Like basically you can kind of map out how things are going to go. Yeah. Whereas if you're if you work in a more tenuous industry like we do you you don't you haven't had that you've had times where that's like a real luxury yeah to know like oh well this is what i'll be doing three months from now oh yeah exactly (laughs) this is where i'll be living three months from now i was trying to figure out um so because news is coming back i might have a job on and off yes i am yeah so but when that was when it was sort of suspended for this week, I was like, well, I don't, now I have no income. And then Trudeau releases the sort of financial plan. And I was like, so I have to write to the CRA and tell them I was probably going to book a gig. Like, 
I don't know. It's very confusing what you do, like with this thing where they're they they haven't like, been clear about what people like me do. If we or anyone really, like just telling people, you know, oh well, you can defer your mortgage, but then people are calling the banks, and the banks are like, well, yeah. we don't know quite what we're doing with that, and like, you know, who gets to? So it's it's and scary you can't times defer your rent. You don't know. <laughs> it's sort of there's so much unknown. Like, yeah. What happens if you start feeling symptoms? I don't even know really and i follow it very closely like do i other than self-isolate which everybody's doing what do you really who do i phone do i get tested you where phone, would you get <laughs> i i do know someone who went through this and maybe i'll talk to this person if they want to um they're still waiting on their results and we've been talking on the phone um but they called telehealth called their doctor and then had to go to like a hospital tell the hospital that they were coming in and then Basically, people with hazmat suits come around and separate everybody out. I mean, at least here you can get tested. Yeah. But yeah, you call telehealth and you, or you can call your doctor's office. But they haven't really like been very good about like being like, here's the clear process of this is what you do. Yeah. Like it's like if you've traveled or if you've come into contact with someone who's tested positive, how do you know that? Yeah. Well, when I came back, like I came back to town three weeks ago from Los Angeles. <laughs> and yeah, well, at the time I was like, it's the end of February and I was like, I want to be home. This is going to happen. Even though no one was behaving like it was. It's like, I follow the news for work and was like, I want to be home. When I got off the airplane, the little computer screen just said, have you ever been to like China? And I was like, China, Italy's already sick. Yeah, it's weird that they don't ask. And you then that. they just ask you on a screen and then like wave you by. And I was like, I'm here with just hundreds of people right now. Like, this is a disaster. Yeah, it does feel like nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. Um, are you Anyways, sure you- okay, so what? Wait, I-, I should go back to like your because news question. Yeah, well, so we were off the air for a week. Yeah. Uh, then we're going to be, we've mapped out a plan of how to do this with everybody alone in their houses. Uh, so we'll go down to two panelists just because logistically that's easier. Uh, the weird thing is, well, it, from your point of view as a writer, you know, we'll be having Skype meetings on Tuesday morning yeah. or a Google Zoom or whatever technology we use. And then, you know, we'll have the story meetings and then we'll have to write in isolation. I don't know quite how we're going to deal with the read throughs yet. Um, whether yeah. we do all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's very interesting it makes me realize that as an improviser, how much I need people to riff with. Yeah, to bounce things off of. Because I have, whereas Kyle, who's more of like a writer writer, has a better and easier time writing in isolation. And I have a hard time because I, I'll have an idea. But what brings me to the next idea is the yes end of the person who well, you can call me. I'm working with. It's true, though. I've been uh, you can just give me a phone call because it's the same as coming over and being like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Right. We'll just call each other all day because we were we did make a script last week and Jan Caruana was writing for us. And yeah. I had to phone her and be like, can we just like be on FaceTime for an hour and just like goof around on stuff? Because <laughs> I I need it to. It just makes it easier. Well, and also I realized like um, I'll just get to write with a window in the room. <laughs> this is true. We don't have a window. And you won't have to listen to me constantly being like, Becky, what about this? What that's about my this? job, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allowed to, that's, you're allowed to do that. Um, okay, but normally I start this by asking who you are. We kind of skip that part. I oh. know you because we know each other. So who are you? What do you do? Uh, that's a deep question. Who are you on this planet? What's your mission? What's your vibe? Um, my name is Gavin Crawford, and I am uh, currently the host of a panel show uh, called Because News, about uh, which is like the British-style panel shows where we write questions about the news this week and use it as an excuse to make jokes mm-hmm. about the news. Uh, and I'm an improviser and uh, an actor and writer, and that's what I do. <laughs> Yeah, sort great. Of. Yeah, that's great. Um, so this last week, because news was off, but also all the American shows were off, or they were sort of coming back, like Colbert, uh, Seth Meyers. The I don't know if you do you watch any of these. Yeah, some of them. Um, John Oliver's last episode was very scary. He was just in a, a room alone with a white background, and then at the end was just like, I don't know when I'm going to see you again. And I kind of felt like that's true, but. <laughs> maybe too scary well i mean it, it's 
it's very weird because people's level of senses of humor are incredibly relative, Hmm. which you know when you do work as a comedian. Yeah. You know, something that you find hysterically funny, someone else could find very offensive or just not funny at all or just simply too dark. Um, uh, And so that it's always a worry. It's confusing. Like, comedy is always the first thing to go in a time of crisis. Uh, But then it's always the first thing to come roaring back in a weird way. Because as things get darker and darker, our tolerance for handling the darker side of it grows like if you've ever known someone who's had a terminal illness or like cancer or um if you've like had a close relative who's been going through something like particularly dark and scary um the the humor that your immediate family and they can find in that which you could spend like there have been times where my sisters and i have been like doubled over with tears in our eyes laughing about my mother's Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. But we we could never put that out into the world. No, because it's it's, for you. It's It's too hard for people. They they only see the sad part. They can't, because they're not experiencing the sad part firsthand. So then they're, you, I'm not articulating this very clearly, but there's a transcendent thing that you go through where it gets so dark that you just have to laugh. And yeah. you literally have to laugh because it, crying and l- laughing are the same thing mm-hmm. in a weird way. They're 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 released. They're not even different sides of the same coin. They're literally just like the same yeah. coin. Um, so it's very yeah. You need that release, and so I I, I feel like it's coming. It will come back. Uh, yeah. I mean, in, it is coming back. Yeah. And that's the thing. But it's also you want to be like when we're doing the show, we're talking about the news. You have to be super you want to be super sensitive. You want to try and in your mind imagine that you're doing something that someone whose family member is currently in the hospital and might or might not make it is listening to. Yeah. And just to be sensitive of that. And you want to be the healing and relief for all people, which is impossible, but it is a desire, right? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it depends what it is. It depends what your platform is. Like, Some people also if we're just... only doing a podcast of Because News, I can say at the beginning, this is a comedy podcast about the world right now. If, the, if you are not in the mood to handle this, mm-hmm. don't download it. You, It's your free will. This might help you get through or it might you might find it too, too glib yeah. uh, for these times. If the show is going out over CBC Radio 1, which they've decided that now we will be back because they think because a lot of the audiences were like, hey, where's my because news? Like, I want this familiarity right now. Yeah, I, I find it comforting. Those same people could write in at the end of next week and been like, that was a mistake. You, should, you immediately <laughs> right. this show. Um, but you. Yeah. So because of that, someone could be in the car and it could just accidentally come on. Right. They have to actively switch it off as opposed to, to, to choosing and choosing opting to in. turn it on. So there's just a sensitivity I think that you have to just keep in mind. Mm-hmm. For me, anyways. Some people would just be like, fuck it. Well, they don't stay but, on the air, do they? I don't Maybe know. Maybe they do. I don't know. Well, here's the other thing is like. Well, I mean, Rush Limbaugh's still on the air. Maybe he's not a comedian. Yeah. <laughs> he's a clown. Yeah. I shouldn't say that. I used to be a clown. He's no clown. Um, but I was thinking about this because is Because News the only comedy, satirical comedy on the airwaves right now in Canada? Uh, in Canada, I guess on proper broadcast airwaves, I suppose we would be. Yeah. There's nothing on TV right now. Well, I mean, do we make anything? We, I guess we make the Beaverton. We don't anymore. Well, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's, it's hard, like, Canada. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's like one of our specialities, but we just tend to not make it because we don't like to invest in it. We like to ship our people off to write for Americans to do it. Yeah, and then we can't write the jokes about our own country. But anyway, yeah. it, it struck me that this was the only, I think the only sort of from the news satirical um, work that was being put out in Canada. Anyway, I, I also want to go back to this thing you were saying about laughter and crying. So there was a, there was a, my friend Hazel was on, I interviewed her uh, month or so ago and she brought up this really fascinating notion of grief and praise being intertwined so that sadness 
when you're grieving something or someone, you're also praising their life. And it was a beautiful thought to me. I, like you grieve only because you loved it so much. I think that's really true. I mean, I can't, um, you know, I relate that back to just what's going on with my mom because she's had Alzheimer's for like a long time. And and so, you, which is a very, well, you know, like it's just a harsh, strange disease where you, you sort of have like permagrief. Yeah. Because it's like you're grieving a person who's gone away, but you're also living with a person who hasn't gone away, who is that same person, but is also not that same person. And it, it flashes of that person will be there, but then there's also this new person that's there. And it's it's very complicated. And But then really funny things will happen. Like, you know, like my mom, I was driving with my mom before she went into a care facility, like very soon before she had to go into a care facility and she sometimes knows who i am and she sometimes doesn't she sometimes thinks i'm her friend frank from high school and um you know one valentine's day i was talking and i realized i was frank and then she asked me if i was going to the dance and it was clear that she wanted me to ask her to the dance uh-huh. like did it, she wanted to know which was like such a sucker punch where you have your own mom being like well i'm sure you've got tons of girls like just waiting <laughs> to be asked (laughs) and then you have to be like and I'm like no no you know what I'm not going to the dance if I'm not going with you and then she's like gets like a little wry smile and is like well we'll see you know what I mean and it turns me down which is so funny but also such a weird sucker punch it's so confusing and then it's a weird thing because I thought it was hilarious but then I went into work and I started telling David and Liz my co-workers bosses sort of um I don't like having a boss, so I call them sort of bosses. Well, bosses um, and also yeah. friends. Let's yeah. call so everyone I friends. Su- so I started telling the story, and then in the middle of it, I just burst into the most like like a blubbering, ugly cry. Yeah. At work, and then I had to leave the room, and I was like, "Oh, sorry, guys." Like I literally thought that started out as a funny story, but then it just like, hit me like in a weird, sad way. But then, yeah, I mean, there's just like. But then it became funny again. And like once we were driving and then she started talking to me. She was talking to me as if I was me. But then she started talking to me as if I was someone else and telling me about what my family was doing. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, you know, well, Sia's doing this. I've got one kid and this. And then she says to she turns to me and says, like, well, Gavin, I don't know if you know this, but he moved to Toronto and he just has never come. <laughs> in the like, car with I'm you right there in the car with her and i'm like oh yeah well you know toronto's great she's like oh yeah i love toronto i mean i don't know if you know this but he lives in toronto with get this a guy <laughs> and I'm no. like, oh i thought we sorted through this many years ago and then i'm like well he's probably happy and she's like oh yeah i mean i i don't care at all but i'm not gonna tell his father he'd probably take him out to a field and <laughs> That'd be that. It's just like, it's so funny. You're like peering into like past thoughts. Yeah. Like it's like, we've gone back to the weird time when my mom first found out I was gay, was stressed about it, was worried how my father was going to react. And I'm having the conversation that I know she had with other strangers. Yeah. But I, and it's, it's, and it was so like screamingly funny. Just, well, okay, so you know this. I don't. I haven't talked about this on the podcast yet, but my aunt um, is also go, like tumbling into dementia, and um, and actually one of the one of the crazy things is like my cousins were trying to get her to move to a retirement home, and she's on the west coast um, in January. And at the last minute, she freaked out and wouldn't go, so she's still in her own place. Like, but we were all just talking yesterday, and we we're like. Somehow she made the right choice. Those retirement homes would be death traps right now. Sorry. Yes. I shouldn't I, say that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That's just like, it's just pulling me down to then, then here's the like not hopeful part because my mom is in I know. I'm sorry, home. Gavin. Then, no, but it is like, you know, but yeah. it's like she can't stay with my dad because she keeps trying to, to like escape. My dad's 75. He can't really do that. But then right now he can't go visit her. Oh, None gosh. of us can go visit her. So mm-hmm. she's in this place where hopefully she doesn't remember that we should be coming to visit her. But like my sister and I are talking we're like, it's so stressful because you're like, she, you can indulge in that weird sad loop of like, she's just there alone. 
But I mean, she's not alone. There's other workers there. Well, and it's, I and, mean, Calgary's, I think, safer than the West Coast right now. But. Yeah, I mean, she's not even in Calgary. She's in, like, Lethbridge, which is mm-hmm. like, a smaller town than Calgary. And, and, like, they've been pretty good about, like, they've got it on lockdown. Like, the staff is being very diligent when they come in. Yeah. Nobody outside is able to come visit i'm trying to get my sister to drop off an ipad to the place so that we can facetime because it was mm-hmm. hard to call my mom because she doesn't really understand the phone anymore so you'll be talking to her but then she just wants to put it down all the time so oh yeah you're like how are you doing she's like oh you know okay i mean i just gotta well get ready because i'm moving to toronto but then she'll say something like listen i gotta put this down i got there's i gotta go pick up after all these little kids yeah. And then you're like, you know, there's no little kids there, but you're like, okay, yeah, oh, kids, what a pain. See, I find that scary. This like constant hallucination stuff that seems to be going on. Oh, yeah, no, it's very, it's very scary. It can be quite uh, terrifying. But this is like, okay, so I'm going to, you can cut this out if you want, but I'm going to take you down the saddest rabbit hole right now. Let's go. Because this is, these are the things, when I say like I'm a worst case like scenario <laughs> prepping person, like the thing is like, so my mom is in a home. Uh, if this virus comes to that home, uh, it's very unlikely that she would survive it. Yeah. Um, although she, you know, has pretty advanced Alzheimer's and some other underlying health conditions. And it's you're sort of on that sort of like <laughs> fence right now of like, does she even really want to be here? We don't. Or for how much longer yeah, will it be enjoyable? Yeah. I mean, I don't think she's having a great time right now. So it's like mm-hmm. on one hand, you're like, oh, well, maybe this is. But then this is what made me really sad this morning is that what happens if my mom dies now and we can't get together like or have a funeral like we do we just have to wait three months? You know what I mean? Like I can't if my mom dies in the next couple of weeks, I can't hug my dad. Yeah. To make him feel better because it's not safe. <laughs> so we just have to have that weird kind of how like then I would have to do this thing that I that a lot of people are doing. And it really made my like it really just hit me in a weird way that I, I hadn't thought of prior to, which I guess you don't. But like I started like thinking of people like in Italy whose loved yeah. ones have died, but they can't they're having to grieve them in isolation yeah and that's just something i don't know that i i'm well i'm not you i don't think you can prepare for that but it's just it was just a weird yeah thought that i had because i just realized like that's what that's gonna happen and then it made me think of like oh well i'm sure that happened in World War Two times to many, many people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it was a war and I think we were braced for that somehow. And I what 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 is alarming to me is the people who aren't concerned. I mean who aren't thinking these thoughts that you're thinking, who are just still lining up to buy video games. No, well that's the thing. I mean, I think that, you know, somebody put it online really good, which is like don't act like I don't want to get this. Act like I don't want to give this to anybody. Mm-hmm. Act like you have it and you don't want to give it to anybody. Yeah. And then that sort of hits. That made me be much more diligent about the things that I was doing. Also, the I love the wash your hands like you just peeled a jalapeno and you're about to put contacts in. <laughs> That's a really funny way <laughs> That's of looking a good... at it. Uh, but yeah, no, I just thought of that. I don't know why this morning. Uh, where well, I was just like, what are we going to do? And then I'm like, I guess we'll do what you do, which is you just, you just keep keeping on. Yeah, you know I, mean, I mean, like you do the weird, sad cry, and then you live for a little longer, and then you cry some more, and then you laugh for some, and then you, which is, yeah. Then you know, that's like. Do you have hope? And it's it's a. It's an imperfect word, and we've realized that very quickly on this podcast, but... But, I mean, hope for what? There's lots of things I'm hopeful for. That's what I mean. I mean... Like, what keep what gets you going? You seem like a very positive, forward-moving person to me. No, I mean, there's a degree of hope. I hope that 
there's some huge transformative change that comes out of this crisis yep. in that uh, it will maybe help people become aware to mitigate a bigger crisis. Like, um, you know, I personally am nervous about climate change and not for my own self because I don't think I'll last long enough. I mean, I'll see effects of climate change, but it's not going to be like a planet evacuation time. Yeah. But, you know, I, I have... I had lost hope for our wonderful ma- neighbors, uh, and I, I, I am hopeful that out of this will come some kind of transformative change where they suddenly realize that, like, I just have a hope that they can transform this idea of socialism yeah. right now, where they're like, "Hey, wait a minute! Giving money to the airlines is socialism. It's corporate socialism." And that human socialism is not a different thing. It's just different recipients. And it, it's so there's I, I have a weird pessimistic, optimistic hope where I'm just like, it's either, you know, will it become Mad Max? But then maybe. But uh, yeah, I want my like, friends in L.A. to come home. I really do. And I don't I just like gun sales are up and it's making me nervous. Yeah, I mean, it's like I'm. I don't understand how America operates. It's very other to me in many ways. But and the other thing is like it's reached this ghoulish level where the president's lies are going to start killing people. People are going to die because they don't think that this virus is real. Maybe oh, I know. that do not will change read, minds. Like, that's it's like a do not read Twitter threads. Like I, I, I threads. I was reading a thing last night where some guy was like, This is way overkill, this quarantine thing. What I know. Is the and then just the the hundreds and hundreds of comments from people being like, yeah, this is ridiculous. What is the government doing? But they're going like, to see it with their own eyes this time. And stuff like that. But it's just, and then there's a, the dark part of you that's just like, okay, well, you know what, you people, you deserve what's coming. But then the, there's a lot of people who are doing everything they can. And you can't really talk in terms of, like, you're. It's, there's a part of your brain where it's like, if you're, oh, I if you're going to be that stupid, I I kind of want you to be punished. But then I really actually don't. No, because they're being fed actual lies all day on Fox News. And um, I read an article in the New York Times about a couple in Louisiana who were like outside of New Orleans, Trump supporters, and the guy got sick. He got this thing. He hasn't been breathing on his own for a week. And she came forward to tell all of her community he's sick. This is real. And it changed people's minds like that. And it's it's so disturbing that this is what has to happen, but this isn't like climate change and you can maybe somehow pretend it's not happening. If, you wa- if you're watching your friends fall, that up against the president's lies feels like so undeniable. Who knows? I mean... We, yeah, but I mean, we went through this... Did we? In the 80s. Well, I'm not saying we went through this, but I'll, some people went through this in the 80s where there was a virus that was actually... 100% deadly oh. and nobody survived it and there was many years where they were like well uh, uh, only only the sinners are getting it oh now it's just sinners and right. drug addicts no one no one good is dying from this virus so we won't do anything about it for a really long time yeah uh, so again I don't know what was maybe maybe just age age and gayness but I've like already I mean I was young then I was in the you know just in the cusp of like coming out and so it was like 19 so i didn't know personally like too many people one or two people that actually like died from aids but but you i mean we our whole generation we still have lingering like wrap your whole body in plastic before you have absolutely oh yeah Uh, and it's 20 years later and hugely treatable yeah but we still, although the generation behind us don't have any idea of that. Yeah. So it's it's weird, like... I'm right at the age where people were starting to survive. Like, I went to theater school with somebody who told us he was HIV positive, and we all, like, burst into tears. And he was on a drug cocktail. He's still alive. It worked. But at the time, what he was on, he didn't know if it would work. Yeah. And I'm from, uh, like, a little bit before that. Yeah. When, if that diagnosis came out, you were gone in two years. Yeah. And it was like... And also, uh, people were incredibly cruel hmm. about it. Like growing up? Well, not just people were incredible. Like, they didn't care. 
Really? People, well, Jason Kenney went to San Francisco and tried to pass a bill so that people couldn't go see their partners in the hospital because they weren't actually related to them. What? Yeah, he he was the spearheading the spearheading. Why did he go to San Francisco? Uh, he was some Christian college. I think that's where he went. Oh my goodness! But it was like that was one of his feathers in his cap that he could like push forward this legislation to make it so that families could bar um like gay boyfriends and girlfriends from coming to visit their uh partners in jail because the family didn't in want hospital them in hospital yeah jail <laughs> yeah but yeah it is like just a jail. so but i mean that's the thing like it's like yeah i don't know do i have hope yes but also do i understand that the human capacity to be unbelievably selfish and cruel is incredibly high also yes we're animals um, yeah we're I beasts mean, we're monkeys yeah so we're you know but i do i don't believe that humans are basically fundamentally good but i believe more humans are fundamentally good than the ones that are fundamentally evil that's good so i, I and it's only maybe by about two percent one way <laughs> or the other but it's that's what gives me hope is that when you look around what's happening right now and you see the people kind of um, just online, like, you know, offering to help dealing with the thing, even just like Christian Siriano, just being like, what do you do? You need masks. Like they were like, we need masks for frontline healthcare workers. And Christian Siriano is like, I have an entire paid sewing staff who are all working from home. They can make the, they can turn out, Oh my god! Thirty of these in a day. By so. the way, he's Project Runway winner. Yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, yeah, he's a fashion designer. <laughs> yeah. And he he just threw it up and was like, you know what? I got staff. They can sew. How many do you need? And send me the patterns. Send me specs. Yeah. Wow. Send me the specs. And he's making them. He's they're making them and they're sending them out. And it's just like little things like that give me, uh, like the innovators who are like, you know what? I can three D printer part yeah for these ventilators send me the specs we'll start printing them up um yeah alcohol alcohol distillers who are making sanitizers now yeah so i mean there's like that sort of stuff gives me people do you know people you know you it's weird this is a weird thing we're so we are social animals so um you know we're I think we're hardwired to help our own species survive. Yeah. And so maybe, yeah, or maybe I'm just being naive and it will all go Thunderdome. I don't know. It seems like we're, it seems like we're doing good. It seems like we're listening to a certain extent, although I can't tell because I'm just in my apartment and I can't, I just look over the lake and I can't see anybody. I don't know what's happening downtown. I only know from like what's going online. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, here, I'll make a dumb little song. You make a dumb little song. Yeah, and then Madonna released that thing about fried fish, and all these people commented that she was a Satanist pedophile. Right, because she said something about passing. I think that's a QAnon code for little boys. I don't know. I don't, it was so I got three <laughs> I, comments deep and then I was like I like I fell very deep into that rabbit hole and I was like I don't even understand what people are talking about and this scares me. Why are you spending your time talking about whether or not she worships Satan? I learned a long time ago. Once I met the fourth comment and I was like and then I'm just like exit stage left even <laughs> oh, like, snaggle snaggle I'm like I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah don't I read the don't comments. don't have time for it. Also you know I mean like it just like you can't be you can't be a host on a national radio show uh, without, like, uh, oh yeah, you know, developing a very thick skin. I'm impressed by it, people, and also a gay host. People want, oh yeah, well, there's, I, it, the, it upsets I, me so much. Just, not even just the homophobic stuff, but it's just like people get very upset if you don't agree with like thoughts you don't even know because you've never met them. But if you say something and it doesn't mesh with what their brain wants it to be, like some people get so angry and they, and because of the internet, they'll write like the most, like a hate, like way more deeply than I don't think that's funny. Like there's like someone will take the time to sit down and be like, listen, fudge packing homo. Why don't you, you know, you should be strung Jesus. up by your toes. And oh you're my like, God. cause I said kilometer and not kilometer. Seriously? I don't know. No. I mean, close I mean, enough. It's not, but it's just like, you know. Or, or because I made like, fun of how much you made an Andrew, milk Andrew Shear drank? You, you made an Andrew Shear joke or something like that. And then they'll be like, you know, 
then they're always mad like oh you never say anything bad about trudeau and you're like literally the second sentence after that was like a, a mean trudeau joke absolutely but we people do. don't hear the ones that they agree with oh they just think it's a statement and yeah. then the other one so so you do develop i develop a, uh a you develop a quite a thick skin and b you just learn that um you don't need those letters in your eyes right you know what i mean like it, it's like these are people who wouldn't have had access to you in, before the internet. They, they don't need to be in your life. It's not feedback that's going to make you grow. No, because it's the it's equivalent. The internet's hate. the equivalent of like when you used to live in the dorm and you had a whiteboard on your door <laughs> that anyone could just write by, walk by and write on. You know what I mean? So it's like you come home from, you know, you just come over like your fourth class and someone's written like something mean on your. Is that what those were for? Just, like, I never went it. to college. Well, no, it's like there's. Oh, they're usually like, it used to be like, well, because no one had, we didn't have cell phones. You didn't have a phone. You went through your day. You you had a phone when you got home to your dorm room. There was a pay phone in the hallway that 30 people shared. God, I sound like I'm fucking from the 50s, but it's not. That was like, that was 1990. Wait, did, were you, <laughs> you the one who talked about how like porno was, you found a magazine in the bushes? Yes. That's what you used to, used to be like a it, I, I, it was so resonant to me because I was like, yeah, I remember being in the woods and seeing a nudie mag and being like, wowee. That's, that's <laughs> how you used to come across it. You used to, it was like a, like a unicorn in the wild. You just find some sort of like tattered pages. And if you followed the tattered pages, you could usually find the like bushy covered area where there was the whole magazine. <laughs> well, who knows how far it's this so thing's going to go? Like, Maybe we're going to be back there. Know. Like I'm. Also, I don't get used. I, I'm nostalgic in a way, but I'm also like really cavalier. Like I have things now, but if I don't have those things, I don't have those things. Like, all I was obsessed—not obsessed, but when I was a kid, I was very fascinated by. I think I read the Diary of Anne Frank far too early. Oh no. Uh, but I was obsessed by World War Two shows of those of just like just movies of people like where you like it's like a rich, rich Jewish family in their house and yeah. they have a piano and their life is like very fine. And then the next day they have nothing like a soldiers just come and be like, this is our new office. Get out. Yeah. And. Yeah, and then later on we'll take you to a horrible death camp. Like, yeah, I mean that's all my family the, talked about. Those, I kind of had like a weird obsession with those stories. Like I, I just watched many, many of them, and sort of I kind of I think trained myself to just be like, do not get too attached to things because things can go away at any moment. Yeah, um, and this is I think also a different situation where we we have too much stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, we consume too. too much and maybe this will reset us. It probably won't. Yeah, I mean, there is. Well, there's a, a level of sort of hopefulness there. Yeah. I mean, I listened to Quarks and Quarks today and they had a whole section about the environmental benefits of what's happening right now. And like, let's pay attention. Well, I mean, just this is really specifically Toronto thing. But like Toronto's been going through like a really big problem in that there's nowhere for people to rent anything and part of that is because of airbnb right because landlords are buying like full condo buildings and then just air airbnb them so there's, there's like there's it's just a shortage of units so one of the weird byproducts of this is because no one's traveling none of those people can make money from their airbnb so all of these short-term rentals are suddenly up for long term like if you go on the internet right now you can find a, a number of furnished rentals yeah that are renting long i saw a ton because they're all what was airbnbs now you know well once this is done will those people will those awful landlords kick everyone out and then start airbnb again because like for a few extra bucks a month i don't know but it's sort of like it's killed off that business model for the time being yeah which has opened up then apartments for people to live in so that's like a weird bright side <laughs> and also there's a, like a, there is a weird hope that like well, I'm not going to say that. What? It's too dark okay. and I can't. Um, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of very, in my opinion, there's some some quite good ones, but there is a lot of very bad uh, older politicians okay. who are not 
doing the right things. And um, and let's say this could be a chance for transformation I, in one way or another. I hope this is a sort of a wake up call for them in a way. Yes, I think that's that's enough. In the nicest way possible. Well said, Gavin. I'd love for Mitch McConnell to have a bit of an epiphany. <laughs> you know what I mean. If you know what I mean. Yeah, maybe Lindsey Graham could have a, exactly. a some sort of some sort of change. Like suddenly, just like you know. Well, you know what? I've realized through all this that like I am gay, <laughs> and I don't care who knows it. Wouldn't that be beautiful? It would be a great moment, but we'll see. Yeah. So I mean. We're out of time. Uh, we are in a moment. We're in a moment in history, and we are in a moment of the day where look around and enjoy the sunshine in the sky because it's going to probably get a little worse before it gets better, Yeah. particularly where we are. I also hope we isolate well enough to actually flatten the curve. I think we have the ability to do it if people do it. Yeah, I mean, I think any level of it does help, and especially if you do it early enough, judging from whatever the scientific data they, they don't, i mean no. i'm not saying scientists don't know but like they're they're just scrambling to catch up with this thing the problem with right now is because of um not because of all the fake news and stuff like that but it's like the you always know that the media does spin a narrative so it's very weird because you don't want to be a person who distrusts the the media but then at the same time I, my natural instinct is to be like slightly distrustful of what's the agenda of what information is being put out yeah. there. Whether it's like, you know, some people are right now, it seems to be falling to the, this is overblown or the like, this is way worse. And no, they're not telling us what's going on because they don't want us to panic. I feel the second way. Yeah. Because I think it's where you sort of fall down on the thing. And I think it's sort of like very, it's very important for each of us to try and sort of like, uh, be responsible with what information you take in, you put out, and, uh, you know what I mean, kind of just work together with people to keep as many people safe as possible. Yeah, and mostly stay home and wash your hands. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of good stuff on TV <laughs> right now, so. Yeah, I've been posting links to, like, like obscure web series that I know about that are, like, floating around there for free on the internet. Yeah. Like, I've, I've been taking a phoning Mary Pat, and then I just, like, tell her what character I'm going to be. And then we <laughs> FaceTime. I'm like, pick a character, and then I'll phone, I'll FaceTime her, and then I'll just be like, okay, I'm like a, I'm like a, I'm like a, Flor I'm like a Floridian on spring break who doesn't believe it's serious. <laughs> and then she's just like, okay, I'm like, uh, I'm an old lady who is too afraid of the grocery, go to the grocery store. <laughs> and then I'll phone her up, and I'll just be like, yo, what's up from spring break? And then she'll just be like, I really think you should be staying inside. Think about people like me. And then we just have, like, dumb character conversations for our own amusement, not to throw it into the, because or to, like usually it's not stuff that I would want okay. I want everyone to judge it's just like yeah for my own fun to make myself laugh is what that's how like I'm kind of getting through it's been amazing I mean Tess Degenstein went on Instagram live and spent four straight hours reading that governor general book about the woman who has sex with a bear oh the bear she read the whole thing, just start to finish. And, and only some of it's good. <laughs> I I had to I couldn't I had to work. I couldn't tune into it. Ryan Beale uh, in Vancouver is releasing a ep, uh, chapter of Dune as an audio <laughs> recording every day. Like I'm enjoying this stuff. It's, it's interesting. It's what the entertainers have to do because we don't have any other useful Pat skills. Pat Thornton dressing up his baby as different people and putting out the looks in the world is my number one favorite thing in the world right it's now. It's too much. Larry, Hashtag Larry looks. Larry looks. There. It's the best. Too much. It's, I I mean, Elsa made me want to cry. Bruce it was so Bader beautiful. Ginsburg was so funny. I'm hoping for a Virginia Woolf. That was my request. We'll see if it happens. Oh, the share with the tiny little microphone. Oh, my gosh. Also... So God bless. Elton John. I don't know. Yeah, Pat and Maggie. God bless you guys. Honestly, my goal in life is like, how do I be as good as Pat Thornton? <laughs> You'll be delighted to hear that. <laughs> but it's like, he's like, you know, like the funniest guy with the most like giant heart. And he just does like, he was like, oh, I'm going to do 24 hours of stand up. Like, I've never done anything that's nearly anything as worthwhile as half of the things Pat has done. And it makes me just be like, man. That guy's good. Gavin, Pat's wonderful, but you do a lot of good work. Um, <laughs> where can people find you online? Uh, my Instagram is Gavin K. Crawford. You'll see a lot of pictures of my cat and different foods. Cool, Safi. Um, yeah. 
Safi has her own Instagram, but I put a lot of things <laughs> oh, right. on uh, on that. Um, uh, Twitter is at TV Gavin. Out of just hope, I guess. There, that's why I'm hopeful. I still have TV in my in my Twitter handle. <laughs> at TV Gavin and uh, yeah, on Facebook it's just and then, Facebook. Just go to Because News Facebook. That's where we put all the fun stuff. Uh, thank you, Gavin. Thank you. Okay, bye. All right, I'll see you again one day. <laughs> yeah, in September. Yeah, I'll see you in September. I'll talk to you on the phone soon. Bye. BH Word Podcast is part of the shop. Follow the shop on Instagram at the underscore shop to. Artwork this week by Christopher Rouleau, and our theme music is always by Laura Barrett. Our outro music this week, however, is by Lee Cohen, who's using this time to teach himself how to play the violin. For information on all of our artists and guests, please follow us everywhere at the H Word Pod, or sign up for our newsletter that now exists at the hwordpod.com.